Welcome to another informative episode of Alberta Doctors Digest, brought to you by the Alberta Medical Association. You've tuned in to one of the many stories from our online publication at add.albertadoctors.org. We're the flagship source of information and opinion of the Alberta Medical Association, advancing patient-centered quality care by advocating for and supporting physician leadership and wellness. Let's get started. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alberta Doctors Digest podcast, brought to you by the Alberta Medical Association. As always, I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Marvin Polis. For this episode, we're talking about the socioeconomic determinants of health, and I'm here in Calgary, and I'm with Dr. Jim Silvius. He has a lot to say on this topic, but first, Jim, tell me about some of the work that you've been up to with senior citizens and geriatrics and pharmaceuticals and some of the other things that you have a special interest in. It's interesting that I started life going to be a pediatrician. And I was very close to my grandparents and they diverted me by what was happening to them in the healthcare system, in the States actually, into geriatrics and I've never looked back. I recognized very early on as a geriatrician that it was important not only to have a clinical practice but also to be involved in administrative work because it was necessary for us as a group to try to improve the health care of older adults or older Canadians and that really has been where my career has ended up going. I have maintained a clinical practice because I firmly believe that it's critical that we have clinical practices to ground us in the work that we do administratively but that hasn't stopped me from doing the other administrative things as well. I have spent uh, 30 years now working in the pharmaceutical side, pharmaceutical regulation side of, of healthcare. I have been involved at both uh, regional health authority level and then provincial level with the formulary review committees. Spent a lot of time really working very hard on the sustainability of the system, but also ensuring that Canadians and Albertans in particular have access to the medications that they require. Jim, tell me about some of the work that you've done in the palliative care area. So in terms of palliative care, when I became senior medical director, uh, one of the roles that I took on was trying to address the gaps in palliative care across the province. We had excellent programs in the major cities. We did not have so much work that was available and so much service rather that was available in other parts of the province. We've had three efforts to make this go. Uh, the first two did not go very far, but we learned a lot from the efforts that we were trying to make. And when we went about it the third time, we made very sure that we actually connected with all the right people and brought the community of palliative care practitioners together across the province to do the work that we needed to then put in place a framework for palliative care for Alberta. And that framework has stood the test of time. We uh, initially developed it and released it in 2014. It was updated in 2020 to make it more relevant and more current. And when we looked back at the amount of stuff that we had done out of the original framework, it was quite staggering how much we have achieved as a province in terms of advancing palliative and end-of-life care, because they're not quite the same thing, but they're related, obviously. But the amount of work we have done is phenomenal, and we will continue to, to work in the same way. Well, why is palliative care and end-of-life care such an important issue for you? All through my career, 
my work has been related to trying to improve the lives of older adults. And if you think about the lifespan of all of us, at the end, we will all die. And it is critically important, as it has been in my work with geriatrics, to ensure that there is an appropriate death for any individual where they are supported, they are in the greatest comfort that they can be, their families are supported through that final journey, and that we have that accessible across the province. And it wasn't. And that's not to say that there weren't little local pockets. I'm not for a minute suggesting otherwise. But what we found as we did the initial scan was that there was great variability across and, and a lot of, of gaps in what was available to people outside of our major centers. That's why it became important to do this and to do it right. And so by working with all of the practitioners across the province and pulling them together and creating a cohesive group out of them, we were able to achieve a lot more than any of us could have done individually. And that, I think, has been a significant accomplishment. And Jim, something else that we wanted to talk about is sometimes related to geriatric care, but not always. And that's the issue of medical assistance in dying. What are your thoughts there? Because I know you've been very much involved in this. Tell us about your involvement. Medical assistance in dying is interesting. We abbreviate it to MAID, obviously, but the MAID program is actually a coordinated series of professionals across the province who provide medically assisted death for eligible individuals. The basis of the program is a, a group of navigators who are based in different parts of the province but serve the entire province. They will work with patients and families. They will work with providers and sites to ensure that everything comes together that needs to be done in order for medically assisted death to be provided in a dignified and compassionate and sensitive way for any individual who is, as I say, eligible. So the, the program was put in place as a coordinated program. We have made great efforts to ensure that we have put in place processes and procedures that would allow our assessors and our provisioners to do what they need to do as unencumbered by regulation as possible, but also to not have to duplicate efforts in any way. So for example, the federal reporting system was brought into place, which was layered on to what we needed to do as an assessor or a provider. And we've been able to marry those processes to so that they do one form that serves all of the purposes that are required. And that's, I think, unique in Canada. Now, beyond the regulations and beyond the administration, what are you hearing from families? Universally, people are very grateful that we have the navigation system in place that we have. It allows them to not have to worry about the details, such as, what do I do? if the person making the request is not in a place where it's conducive for the procedure to be carried out and so on. You know, how do I find a second assessor? How do I get access to the medications? All of these things are taken care of by the navigation team. And we find very much that families, after the fact, are very grateful for the fact that they have had that made available to them. Is it perfect 100% of the time? No. And so we actually take the opportunity to learn from those experiences where it may not have been perfect in order to further enhance what we do so that we do make it as close to perfect as possible for, for anybody going through the process. Jim, when you think about the things that we've talked about, we've talked about pharmaceuticals, we've talked about palliative care, we've talked about medical assistance in dying, what are some of your observations, both as a clinician and as an administrator, with respect to socioeconomic aspects of health? 
One of the things that has become apparent very early on in my time in Calgary, and I've been in Calgary for 31 years now, is that I started in one hospital and I have ended up working in another. The clientele between the two hospitals is quite different. And that really is because of some of the social determinants of health. We had issues when I was working at another site where we would have drugs that weren't covered, for example. It's one of the reasons I got into this in the first place, to be honest, but where drugs were not covered. And I would make the observation that we had difficulty with access. People who were working at other sites would say, well, we don't have an issue at all because people would pay privately or had private insurance. And so, you know, it's very clear that the resources you have from a fiscal perspective are one of the things that uh, make a difference in terms of the health care that you actually can receive, even in a city like Calgary. The second thing I have identified or noticed is that people who have better support systems, so they've actually got a roof over their head, they've actually got access to good nutrition, they've actually got access to a support system of friends and family or, or whatever, and in this mobile age family isn't necessarily here, that makes a huge difference in terms of how long somebody can stay at home. Because what we find is that people will seek to move from their homes when they begin to deteriorate and if they are not, as I say, adequately housed, have adequate nutrition and so on, that process occurs much more quickly. We see more chronic disease and we actually see more risk for institutionalization very early on. Do you see some solutions on the horizon for these issues? I think the solutions are going to be complex. I do think that we have to get away from the silo of healthcare as being healthcare. We need to actually expand beyond healthcare to also look at the social care network in this, in this province, and the two need to come together to support people better. We cannot afford to institutionalize people, uh, and it's not what they want anyway. And so it becomes very important for us to do what we can to appropriately keep people at home and support them in whatever they want as their home environment. One of the ways to do that is to actually look at the social needs that individuals have and to marry that into the healthcare needs that they have, bring them together and address both of them in order to, to do what we need to do as a society in order to, to get where we need to be. But beyond economics, it's also about quality of life. As you share these thoughts, I really find myself thinking that it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of scenario because the, the social situation and the economic situation of my family may be very different than the situation for another family. So one-size-fits-all probably isn't going to cut it. No, one-size-fits-all isn't going to cut it. But I think we have to make a decision as a society, and, and I don't think we have made that decision yet. But what is it that we want to be as a society? Do we want to be a society where we look after those who are less fortunate or less blessed? Or do we want to be a society where it's all about me? And I think the answer is the former. I think we really do want to ensure that if we can afford as an individual to look after ourselves and have the support that we need, we should be doing that. If on the other hand, someone for whatever reason does not have that ability, whether it's related to their social circumstances, their personality, their financial situation, whatever it might be, I think we as a society have an obligation to actually provide the care in those circumstances. But that means we have to have a suite available across multiple different types of contexts to support people. Well, Jim, certainly thank you for sharing your thoughts. Uh, that, that really stands out for me. The, the whole thought that what kind of society do we want? Do we want a society where it's all about taking care of me? 
Or do we want a society where, okay, I need to take care of myself, but I also have an obligation to take care of other people. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Alberta Doctors Digest, brought to you by the Alberta Medical Association. This has been just one of the many stories from the current issue of our online publication. You can read the entire publication at add.albertadoctors.org. See you next time.